We walk by faith and not by sight. You know, that's, uh, that's very, very important for us to, to understand. Because if we're not careful, as we go through this world, and this world as we know it is passing away, we are eternal. The Lord is eternal. And one day, the scripture says, God will bring heaven and earth together. He'll make a brand new earth. And we will rule and reign with him on this earth. But it won't be this earth in this condition. It may be this globe, but it's going to be a transformed globe. <clears throat> But it's important for us to understand that even though this earth as we know it is temporary, and even though our bodies are temporary, Paul says what the Lord is preparing for us is eternal. That this, the light afflictions and the things that we go through, and he's not just talking, I don't think, about things we suffer. I think Paul had a fundamental understanding that living life in this body, on this unredeemed earth, was an affliction. It was a trial. Our best day on this earth cannot compare to what God has prepared for us. But having said that, we need to be really careful that we don't get so caught up with what will be one day that we forget that we have been put on this earth and we were told by Jesus himself to occupy until he comes again. And, and I've told you this before, that, that term in the Greek, to occupy, means to be busy about the business of the kingdom. In other words, there is a work to be done as we occupy this earth awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I fear that, that some of the church has decided that they're just going to camp out here until we're called home to glory and, and we're not, we've lost sight of the fact that, that we're, we're here for a reason. Hence, this is why I started with the scripture from 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we judge everything by what we see, then we can be very deceived and, and we can begin to believe something that is absolutely contrary to the truth. So we don't live and we don't walk by our sight. We live and we walk by faith. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. Now remember last week we started, started a series um, talking about Advent, the Advent season. The word Advent simply means the, the coming this, this is the Christmas season where we celebrate the, the first coming of Jesus. When he came as that babe in a manger, and unto us, we read the scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we celebrate that child being born and that son which is given. But the whole purpose of the Advent season is not to just remember the birth of Jesus, it is to Remember and to proclaim his coming. And his coming is not just what he did 2,000 years ago. His coming speaks of the totality of what was prophesied. There is a reason why Jesus came and was born in that manger. It was so that he could come and redeem and set right all things. And that birth, 2,000 years ago, was just part of that. It was, it was, in a sense, in the physical realm, the beginning of that. It wasn't even the beginning of it. It was, it was the manifestation of what already had been ordained and declared by God. And so, in, in that sense, it was a beginning, but definitely not an end. So let's look again, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, let's begin there, verse 6 and 7, let's read this scripture, 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is so important to understand, church. There will be no end to the increase of his government and peace. That, that means there's not going to be a pause. We're not going to push the stop button and hit the resume button at a certain period of time. The increase of his government and peace has not stopped since it began. And it will never end. That's not my word. That is the word of the Lord. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. Remember we looked at, at John 12, 31. Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And it was at that time that Jesus established that throne with judgment and with justice. When he judged the world and he cast out the ruler of this world. From that time forward... Even forever. So what kind, of, what kind of kingdom is it? It's an increasing kingdom with no end. It's a kingdom that began and will continue even forever, the scripture says. And then it says in the last sentence of verse 7, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And the prophet tells us exactly how this is going to happen. He didn't give us a formula of how we're going to do it. He didn't, he didn't give us that. He said, this is how it's going to happen. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. He will. He, it's not he might. He will perform it. That's how it's going to be done. Now, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, this was another scripture we looked at. We saw the prophecy of Isaiah written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And now, Luke chapter 2, verse 11, we have the angels proclaiming, this is Dr. Luke, the physician, who wrote this gospel, and he records what happened on that night of the birth of Jesus. And the angels appeared, and they appeared to the shepherds, and they said, Fear not, we bring you great news of peace, glad tidings, of peace for all men, peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. He said, this is good news to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Just think, Isaiah wrote, for unto us a child is born. And on that day, this day, that child is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He was in that manger and when he was in that manger, he is Christ the Lord. It's not that he's going to become. He is. He is. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew records another aspect of Jesus being born. Jesus is a little bit older in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Behold, wise men from the east, in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east. They came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice what they said. Where is he who is born king. He didn't become king when somebody crowned him. He was born king. He is the eternal king of kings, the eternal Lord of lords. He is born king. But remember what Isaiah said, unto us a child is given, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And Paul takes us through in Galatians this process of a child being under a tutor, 
But when the child grows up and becomes a son, he's no longer under a tutor. He's no longer under a master. He becomes the master. Jesus was born king. He was born the Christ. And in the fullness of time, when God sent forth his son, Paul said in Galatians, born under the law to redeem us from the law. And when the time was right, this child that was born, this son that was given, stepped into what was destined and ordained for him. And here the wise men proclaim him to be king, and they also proclaim him one who is worthy of worship. Speaks not only of his authority as a king, but his deity. He is the God-man, made flesh. And they quoted the prophecy from Micah 5, 2. And the prophecy says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me. God says he shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. This is the child who was born that day. That night in Bethlehem, this is the king. This is the son that was given. This is the one that the government will be upon his shoulder. This is the one whose government and peace will increase to no end. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So now go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Now what I want you, what I want you to get, I want you to understand something about Jesus, the king. I want you to understand something about his kingdom. Because if Jesus is our king, then we are his children. If we are born again, we are children of God. God has given us the right to become children of God. And by grace through faith, we can enter into that relationship and become children of God. And there's something as children of God that we need to understand about the kingdom. The kingdom is not something we're waiting to have happen one day and we're just all on hold here on planet earth waiting for God to do his thing. Now listen, God's going to do his thing, but we need to have eyes of faith to see by faith and not be deceived by the things that we see with our natural sight. We need to be able to discern with our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears. We need to see by faith. We need to walk by faith and not walk by our sight. Now let's go back to another prophecy here in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. And I'm going to begin here, I'm going to read a pretty large section of scripture, but I want you to, to track with me, get a Bible if you don't have one, and follow with me. I'm going to begin in verse 31, Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Now, what's happening here, let me just give you a little background. Daniel and, and uh, these guys are, remember Babylon came and they destroyed Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple, and they carried everybody, uh, most everybody away captive. And Daniel and his three friends are young men in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel is probably nothing more than, than um, a young teenager, uh, if he's that old. And the king has a disturbing vision. And he calls for his court magicians, his wise men. There's some think that the the wise men that came to see Jesus, as recorded in Matthew chapter 2, actually were descendants of these Babylonian wise men spoken of here in the book of Daniel. Don't know if that's true or not. They might have been Jews that, that stayed in that area and, and, and lived for, for generations. And they knew, obviously they knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. They knew the prophecy of Micah. And no doubt, those wise men in Jesus' day came to know the scripture because of Daniel and the Jews that were carried away captive. You see, God has a purpose in everything that he does. He has a purpose in everything that he does. It's easy for us now, looking back thousands of years into the past, 
and say, wow, isn't that neat how God allowed the Jews to be carried away captive and the, the word of God went throughout that Babylonian and Persian and, and those kingdoms and those, those uh, synagogues were established and the, the way that they learned the scripture and, and, and those things were established there and, and we see that the word of God took root to the point that when Jesus was born, these wise men came from the east and they were probably descendants and beneficiaries of the scriptures that were carried away to Babylon when the Jews were taken captive. Well, it's easy for us looking thousands of years back to say, wow, isn't that neat what God did? But I would venture to say that when we were in the midst of the captivity being carried away captive, we might not have thought about all the wonderful things God was going to do through our captivity. And this is why the scripture says, we walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. This is why Joseph never lost hope in Egypt because faith enabled him to hold on in his darkest hour because he had a dream, he had a vision from God, he knew it was from God and he did not let go of that. He never gave up the faith. Job, when he lost everything, never gave up the faith. Abraham, when it looked like the promise of God was impossible for an old man and an old woman, never gave up the faith even when God said, take your son up on that mountain and sacrifice him. He didn't lose faith. And we've got to become a people of faith who can walk through this world knowing why we're here and walk by faith and not be moved by what we see around us and know that in the midst of whatever is happening in this world that God has a plan and God has a purpose and the zeal of the Lord will perform it. God's already spoken it. He is going to bring it to pass. And so here in Daniel chapter 2, the king has this vision and he's disturbed by it and he court calls all of his court magicians and wise men in and says, now somebody tell me what my dream is. And they said, well, well, tell us the dream, king, and we'll interpret it for you. He said, mm-mm, not that easy. He said, you're supposed to be so wise. He said, you tell me what my dream was, and then you tell me what it means. Well, guess what? None of them could do it. And he gets so mad, he says to the captain of his guard, he said, get all the wise men together and execute every one of them because they're worthless. They can't even tell me what my dream is. Well, Daniel hears about it, and, and he actually had made buddies, he made friends with, he, God had given him favor with, with the captain of the guard. The captain of the guard says, hey, the king just issued a decree, said all you guys have got to, you know, you're going to all be killed because you can't interpret the, the dream or the vision. He said, well, hey, I haven't even had a chance. He said, give me a little bit of time, let me pray, let me go to my God and see if God will give me the interpretation. And that's what Daniel did. And so Daniel comes before the king and he tells the king, and here's where we're going to pick up. And it says in verse 31, this is Daniel telling the king what his dream was. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched, look at this, while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the king the interpretation of it. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Who gave him the kingdom? God did. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beast of the field and the birds of, the, of heaven, he has given them into your hand, and he has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you, you shall arise 
shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. So you see this? There are four kingdoms. There's a kingdom represented by the head of gold. That was Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. There was a kingdom represented by the arms and the chest of silver. It doesn't say here, yet, this vision is consistent with all the other visions that are given in the book of Daniel. And they all represent kingdoms and they all represent the same kingdoms. And the second kingdom was Medo-Persia. Silver because the, the, the Medes and the Persians valued silver. They didn't care about gold. They didn't care about anything else. They would only receive their taxes paid in silver and nothing else. They, they were obsessed with silver. The third kingdom was Greece. These were the Grecians. These were the men of the Bronze Age. And they developed weapons and they developed armor and bronze was their thing. And then you come to the Roman Empire, which is the last one. Now look what he says. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything like iron that crushes. That kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. And that's exactly what happened in history. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. It goes perfectly with the history of the Roman Empire and what happened in that empire. And as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. That's what eventually tore apart or, or allowed the Roman Empire to come apart. It, was, it crumbled literally from within. You had all of these people groups that, that eventually just, just wore the kingdom down until the kingdom could not hold together any longer. And it was eventually overthrown by, by people that had actually at one time been conquered uh, by the kingdom. And so it goes on, it says, look at verse 44, here's what's important. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. When is the God of heaven going to set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed? It's going to be in the days of these kings. Now, I don't have time, I'm not going to do a teaching on the book of Daniel but we could go to Daniel to the later visions and you'll see that these kings refer to the kings of this fourth empire. The Roman Empire had many kings. They, were called, they weren't called kings, they were called Caesars. They were emperors and, and they took the title of Caesar. And that became the title of the, the emperor of Rome. And in the days of these kings... God, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. Remember what happened? That stone was cut out without hands. It grew to be a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. And that stone crushed all the other kingdoms, ground the gold, ground the silver, ground the bronze, the iron, and the clay to powder like chaff. And the wind came and blew it away. There was no trace of it left. This is what he's talking about here. This kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Church, we should be, of all people on this earth, the people who have the most hope. Because we have been given a hope and a promise that is not uncertain, that is not unsure. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter what the rulers of this world, remember what the apostle said? Why do the nations rage? Why do the kings plot a vain thing? What are they going to do against God? God sits in the heaven, the scripture says, and he laughs at their plans. He is laughing right now at the plans of every ruler of this earth to think that they're going to somehow save a planet, save a world, save a people. They can't save anything. And here we are, the church, we're getting caught up into this. We're getting so caught up into it that now you got 
parts of the mainstream church that have jumped on the global warming bandwagon. We're jumping on all of these things like, like we're going to join the world to save the world. Now listen, God says, he, he said before it ever began, he said this is what's going to happen. I'm going to cause a child to be born. I'm going to give my son and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And we see in this vision in Daniel, the same thing. God, through all of the prophets, is confirming his word. Is confirming his word. And so here is, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. They could crucify the king, and it's not going to destroy the kingdom, and it didn't destroy the king, did it? It didn't. Now, let's go from there, and let's go to Matthew chapter 21. So remember, this stone that was cut out without hands became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. This stone, it destroyed all the other kingdoms. They were carried away, and this was and is the only kingdom remaining. Matthew 21, let's go to verse 42. We've got to become people of faith who understand what's happening in the world. And we can't be moved by what's happening in the world. We've got to continue to proclaim the truth in spite of what's happening in the world. Our words are powerful. Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture? Now Jesus has already come to Jerusalem. He's, he's days before his crucifixion. He's already been come through the gates in the triumphal entry. He's already cleansed the temple. And now he's talking uh, to people in Jerusalem. The, the religious leaders, the chief priests are there. The Pharisees are there listening to his very words. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. That rejection was the Lord's doing. That stone was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. God says a broken and contrite heart and spirit he will not reject. But look what it says. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. It is a direct reference right back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. This stone that will destroy all other kingdoms. Verse 34 of Daniel chapter 2 says, this stone will grind to powder like chaff. Every kingdom in the wind will carry them away. There will be no trace left. Every kingdom. Every kingdom. And Jesus said, if you fall on the stone, you'll be broken. But if it falls on you, it will grind you to powder. Look what verse 45 says. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew that he was speaking of them. <laughs> they knew exactly who he was talking about. They knew exactly, remember, these guys knew the scriptures frontwards and backwards. They had the scriptures memorized. When he said it will grind them to powder, he knew exactly. He was referring back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. They knew exactly what Jesus was speaking of, and they didn't like it. So he goes on, and when he quotes that, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's quoting from Psalm 118. Go to Psalm 118. By the way, Psalm 118 is also the psalm that was... They were screaming Psalm 118 on the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry. He's quoting from Psalm 118. Let's begin in verse 21. 
Well, let's begin in verse 19. Look at, this, look at the picture that the psalm is painting here. Now, this is a psalm that was written probably a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. Look what it says. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them. And I will praise the Lord. Verse 20. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Who do you think that gate is? Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the gate of the sheep. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Who has become our salvation, church? Jesus has. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now listen, I've said this and I believe every day is the day that the Lord has made. But Psalm 118 is not talking about just any day. Psalm 118 is talking about that day. This day. What day? This day that the stone was rejected by the builders. This is the day that the Lord has made. Why did God make that day? He made that day for the stone to be rejected because that was the day that he would establish his kingdom that would never end, that would have no end, that would increase in its government and its peace to no end. There's no pause button. There's no stop button. He said, I'm going to start it. Daniel tells us exactly when it started. In the days of these kings, right there in the midst of the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom described in Daniel, here is the stone that the builders rejected. And God said in his word, a thousand years before that stone was born of the Virgin Mary, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This day that the stone the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. In verse 25 is what, they, is what they cried on the day of the triumphal entry. Save us now. Hosanna, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Jesus was the sacrifice that would be bound to the altar. This is the day the very stone the builders rejected was bound to the altar, was sacrificed, was crucified. And in that crucifixion and in that sacrifice, what did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Here is the stone cut out without hands. The very stone, Daniel, that King Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision that Daniel interpreted. It's the very stone that the builders rejected. This is the Lord's doing. See, we're not waiting on God to do something. God's already done it. The stone has become the chief cornerstone. The stone is right now filling the whole earth. Do you believe it? Now we say yes. When you watch CNN, do you believe it? When you watch ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, Fox, you believe it when you watch those guys? Do they, do they write about it in the newspaper? Mm -mm. See, if we walk by sight, what are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what Isaiah said or are we going to believe what CNN says? See, if we believe what CNN says, we, we don't even see the increase of his government and peace. We don't even see his government and peace, do we? We see the world in chaos. But this is why the scripture says don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Are we going to believe what the news media is telling us? What the newspapers say? Or are we going to believe what the prophet wrote 700 years before the birth of Jesus? We're going to believe what the psalmist wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. They described exactly what would happen. They described exactly how this kingdom would come and what would happen with this kingdom. And they told us, they warned us, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Don't believe 
what the world says. Believe what your holy God says. Believe what the scripture says. See, there's a reason why the Pharisees didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Because they were walking by sight instead of by faith. They couldn't believe in a Messiah that would allow himself to be crucified, though it was right there in the Word of God. How did these guys miss it? They knew the Bible frontwards and backwards. How in the world did they miss it? Because they chose to walk by sight instead of by faith. Because instead of trusting in what appeared to be foolishness to them, they trusted in man's wisdom. They trusted in the wisdom of the world. And see, if we're not careful, church... If we don't rightly divide this word and understand what God has already put in his word and has already told us, we're going to fall for the same deception. And we're going to find ourselves waiting to be evacuated from this earth when God says, you are here to occupy until I come back. There is kingdom work to be done. My kingdom's increase has never stopped. My kingdom has begun and its advance has not stopped. Are you going to join it? Are you going to be a participant or are you going to be a naysayer? Are you going to believe what the world says? Are you going to believe what the scripture says? This is what's presented to us. Go to Daniel chapter 7. See, we don't, we don't need any more people. We don't need messages to make us feel better about ourselves. We need messages to challenge us and motivate us to do what the Scripture tells us to do. We need something that's going to open our eyes and help us begin to understand what God is doing in this earth and that He has privileged us to be a part of it. Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Now, I don't have time, but if you, if, you look in, if you look in Daniel chapter 7, and you start in verse 4, and you go all the way to verse 7, 4, 5, 6, 7, those four verses describe the same four kingdoms. They're just pictured differently. The vision is different. In, in, in Daniel chapter 2, it was a head of gold, arms of silver, stomach and thighs of brass, and legs and feet of iron and clay. Here you have... A lion with wings, which was the symbol of Babylon. You have a bear that's bigger on one side than the other, which was Medo-Persia. It was a divided kingdom, and one was a little bit stronger than the other. That was the symbol of that kingdom. Then you have a leopard, which was also the symbol of Greece. And then you have Rome, and this fourth beast in verse 7 is the same. Dreadful, it's unlike any other beast. It's unlike anything else the world has ever seen. And that is a perfect description of the Roman Empire. It's unlike any other kingdom has ever existed on the earth. And so you have those four kingdoms presented there again. But now, where I want to go is verse 9. And I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow. And his hair and his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. His wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated. What's a court speak of? Judgment. And the books were open. And I watched because there was a sound of pompous words and one was speaking, I watched the beast was slain, its body was destroyed and given to the burning flame for the rest of the beast. Had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Verse 13, here we go. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. When was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom? Then. Then was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And all the peoples, nations, and languages, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. You go back to Daniel 2.44. And that is the exact same kingdom. Daniel 2.44, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom 
which shall never be destroyed. Daniel says, in the night visions, I saw one like the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days and was given to him the kingdom, his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Same kingdom from chapter 2. And so, here is this vision, one like the Son of Man. Do you know why Jesus used the phrase to describe himself, the Son of Man? Not just because he was human, but he used this phrase, the Son of Man, because it was a direct reference to Daniel. There is no doubt that this one, like the Son of Man, is receiving what kingdom? He's receiving the kingdom of God. The everlasting kingdom. Well, who is this son of man that's receiving this kingdom? Well, it's no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Matthew 26, 64. Now, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but I'm going to give you just three of them here. Matthew 26, 64. Jesus said to him, he's saying to the chief priest here, they're trying him, they're getting ready to send him to Pilate, and they're going to crucify him the next morning. And the chief priest, they are so upset with Jesus. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, verse 64, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now look what the chief priest did. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. You know why he did that? Because the high priest knew exactly what Jesus was referring to. Jesus was saying, I am the Son of Man, coming to the Ancient of Days. You go ahead and send me to that cross. It's my destiny. But you're going to see me coming. You're going to see me seated at the right hand of the power on high, coming in the clouds of glory, coming on the clouds of heaven. It was a direct reference to that one who would receive the kingdom that would have no end. Jesus said, I am. You ask, you put me under oath, Am I the Christ? Yes, I am. And you will see me, he said. You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, coming on the clouds of heaven. He quoted Daniel right there. And the chief priest tore his garments because Jesus had just equated himself with God. Now, here's another one. It's the same reference, Mark 14, 62. It's the exact same, same reference, just recorded in Mark. But here's an interesting one. Look at Acts chapter 7, verse 56. This isn't Jesus saying this, but it's someone saying it about Jesus. Remember when Stephen got stoned? And I mean, he, he didn't smoke marijuana. Stephen, who was full of the Holy Ghost, the scripture says. Preaches a sermon right before his death. He goes from the beginning to the end and he preaches Christ to these Jews, to the high priest, to the scribes, to the Pharisees. And he gets to the end of his message and he just tells them like it is. Verse 52, he says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they took the rocks and they killed him stoned him to death. But notice what Stephen proclaimed that he saw. He saw exactly, he saw exactly what Daniel saw. And why is that? Because when Jesus ascended to his father, what Daniel saw 
Hundreds of years before it happened, Jesus fulfilled at his ascension. When he ascended to the Father, he came to the Ancient of Days on the clouds of heaven, just like he ascended on the clouds of heaven. He came to him on the clouds of heaven, and he received the kingdom and dominion and authority of the kingdom that would never end and would never be destroyed. And what did Jesus tell his disciples in Matthew 28? We call it the Great Commission. Now, he had not ascended yet. And here's what's interesting. See, the Great Commission occurs in all four of the Gospels and the book of Acts. Did you know that? It's in all four of the Gospels and it's in the book of Acts. And those Gospels are not meant to be They're not meant to be carbon copy accounts of Jesus' life on earth. They're they're accounts that have great similarity, but they also have differences. And the differences are there to present the entire picture of who Jesus Christ is. He's the king, he's the suffering servant, he's the God-man, and he is the divine son of God. And we see that in... Matthew's gospel, what does Jesus say? Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now that that says it right there, church. There is no authority outside of his. The devil doesn't have authority outside of his. We don't have authority outside of his. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. That pretty much You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I would advise you to believe the word of God. Go, therefore. Go, why? Go, because I have the authority. I have all authority, and I'm telling you, go, therefore. Why? Because my kingdom has come, and I'm telling you what? It has begun its increase, and it will never end. Go, therefore, and proclaim what the prophets have proclaimed For centuries, go and proclaim what I have fulfilled, I have done it. Now, it's not recorded in Matthew's gospel, but it is recorded in Luke's gospel. That Jesus said, before you go, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of my Father, which was the pouring out of the Spirit. And the Spirit could not be poured out until Jesus had ascended And gone to the Father. And you'll see that in the scripture it says that Jesus is the one who issued forth the Spirit. It came from the Father. But it was Jesus that had the authority to send the Spirit. To pour out the Spirit. And Jesus, the Spirit of God was not poured out until Jesus ascended. Could not be until he ascended. And when he ascended... What you read in Daniel is exactly what happened. The Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days and given to the Son of Man was all dominion, all power, all authority, and all glory in the kingdom that would never end. It was given to him right there. And Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You go and you wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come because when you receive the Spirit, you will receive power to do what? To be witnesses to me. In Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. So in response to the dominion and the authority that Jesus has already received, guess what? We are commanded to go. The zeal of the Lord. What does the prophet say? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, but we are commanded to go, therefore. We are commanded to go. To go and to make disciples of all the nations. To fill the earth. Behold, you saw, O king, a stone cut out of a mountain. Not cut out with hands. And that stone became a great mountain. And it filled the whole earth. That is Jesus. That is Jesus. I'm going to stop right there tonight. And we'll pick up. I have a lot more to say, but we're going to stop right there. There is a response. We can't make disciples until we become disciples. 
We're not commanded to sit and wait to see what God's going to do. God's already done what he's going to do. We need to go and proclaim what he has done. If we can't see the kingdom, if we can't see the increase of its government and peace, then we need to pray that God would open our eyes and that we would become blind to, to the natural and open to see by faith. And that increase of the kingdom, you know where it's going to have to begin? It's never going to fill the earth until we know it's filled us. The Spirit of God wasn't poured out on the earth. It was poured into vessels. of God, The vessels of God's choosing. He chose human vessels to pour His Spirit into. And what's going to fill the earth? The prophet tells us, Habakkuk says, And the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We have been commanded to go and proclaim the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Well, what if they don't listen, Pastor Jeff? They didn't listen to Jesus either. What makes you think they're going to listen to you? Well, what if they're mean to me? Well, they were so mean to Jesus, they killed him. Who, who, who says they're going to be nice to you? But, but, but I, don't, I just don't see it. Well, you better go back to your prayer closet and start praying. Because you're looking with the wrong eyes. Are we going to believe what we see or are we going to believe the word of God? Hmm? Come on up, worship team. Are we going to believe what we see with natural eyes or are we going to believe what this word declares? See, if I believe this word, Jesus has already received his kingdom without end. And the increase of that kingdom has already begun. In the days of these kings, it shall go forth even forever. Those kings are past. That stone has been cut out. It has already fallen on. And you might not believe it, but I'm telling you what. It has already crushed those other kingdoms. There's only one kingdom God knows. There's only one kingdom God recognizes. It is the kingdom of God. And we are to proclaim that kingdom even until he comes again. He's going to come again. He's going to redeem this earth. This is exactly what Paul talks about in Romans. The creation groans, what? For the manifestation of the sons of God. There should be such an increase of his government and peace that it begins to manifest in the sons of God. And the zeal of the Lord is going to cause that manifestation. I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ is going to come back one day. What are we supposed to do until he comes back? Just wait and watch? No. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That means I've got to become a disciple first before I can make a disciple. Amen.